Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Astros Baseball is brought to you by Ram Shirts. Ram Shirts offers custom printed and embroidered apparel. They offer direct-to-garment printing for small runs and screen printing for larger runs. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ram Shirts. Go to RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan for the fans of the Houston Astros. Here's your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Astros Baseball. On August 29th, 1996, I attended my first Astros game. First time I ever stepped foot in the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome, and it was my very first Major League Baseball game. At some point during the game, I went to the concession stand, and I don't remember what I ordered, but I'll never forget that it came with the commemorative cup with the faces of the killer bees on it. Bagwell, Biggio, Derek Bell, and my guest today, original member of the Killer Bees, Sean Barry. Sean, I appreciate you coming on today, sir. Wow, I did not know that story. That's pretty cool right there. Um, glad I uh, at least filled you up with some nice drink there at the at the stadium, a nice Coca-Cola probably at that time for you. <laughs> yeah, prob- I think uh, 96, I was probably 25. Oh, there we go. Then maybe not. It wasn't a Coca-Cola. I don't know. Not not sure. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm, I didn't have enough money to be drinking beer back then. Yeah, it was expensive back then. It is now at, at the, the stadiums. Yeah, probably more. I haven't been to a, well, I haven't been to the stands in a game in who knows how long. So kind of crazy. Yeah, you just, it, you're like, yeah, give me two beers. That'd be $48. Like, what? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so... You've been pretty much coaching since your retirement as a player. Um, first question, like at the end of your playing career, did you know that was the path you wanted to take coaching? Uh, not one bit, uh, truthfully. Um, I thought I was just going to go home and you know do something else. I, I wasn't sure really what I was going to do. Um, actually, I, I did toy around with the thought of <clears throat> being a pilot there for a while. Um, and so I was kind of doing that just a, a little bit. And then, you know, <clears throat> it was at the time and then, you know, September 11th happened and I thought the pilot thing wasn't a, a really good deal because everything got kind of out of whack. And then I actually, uh, my wife kind of 
mentioned it to me. She know she knew that I kind of probably retired a few years early, you know, due to injury and whatever else. And and she thought that uh, she goes, why don't you go coach or something and try it? Because she goes, I know you miss it, and and I really was. I was trying to probably I was like a little bit in denial that I was missing it, and so made a phone call to at them the GM for the Astros, Jerry Huntsinker, and. He goes, we'd love to have you. And I had no idea. He goes, what do you want to do? And I had no idea. He goes, you want to manage? You want to be a hitting coach? Um, I go, I go, Jerry. I go, I don't, I don't know. He goes, well, I'm gonna put you over to my good friend and assistant GM Tim Perpura. And so Tim and I talked, and before you know it, um, I was a hitting coach for the Round Rock Express. And uh, yeah, a little bit I know then that I probably should have chose manager. I don't know. The hitting coach was has been a blast, but uh, maybe I didn't know it was going to be as hard to work as it, as it really was. I had no idea you had that choice. I just thought, you know, I'm a hitter. Let me teach kids how to hit. Yeah, I think it's because I is what I knew, you know, more than anything. And I, I kind of, I didn't want to go in there and manage. You know, I almost, I guess maybe I revered my managers as a player, and the things that they had to do and the organization they had to do. And, and, uh, I thought I could be a better hitting coach. I, I don't know. I'm not sure why I chose that, but, uh, I loved it. You know, I, and I pretty much has been in the cage for close to 20 some years after I stopped uh, playing. Are you coaching now? No, I am not. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure what's going on with baseball a little bit. And, the, and some of those things, it was really weird. Got let go by Baltimore, um, kind of after the first COVID thing, and and then uh, you know usually it's you know within you know a, a week or so I, I you know the the phone's ringing and I have another job and it was really strange but, you know a lot of things were going on because teams weren't hiring because of the cuts and all that stuff so I think COVID got me the little change in baseball got me and then you know the more I kind of gotten into it. I thought that possibly, you know, maybe I'm done uh, with uh, the, the major league organizations. And so uh, I started working for Perfect Game, a company. I don't know if you know about them and, you know, amateur scouting and, and marketing uh, baseball company. And they just do an unbelievable job for the young kids around the country. And so that's what I'm doing now, which uh, I'm almost been doing it for about nine, nine months, I think. And and at first, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I'm still on the field a little bit. I still get to be around baseballs. I'm not in the cage as much as, as I would like, even though today I am actually going to go over with my neighbor's kid and go hit some at the high school here in, in Paso Robles, California, where I live. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a strange way to leave baseball after almost 38 straight spring trainings in a row and then uh, – you know, this was going to be my second one I've missed in a row now, so it's 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 a little strange. They posted a lot of jobs on, uh, I guess, it, I don't know about the website, but the Astros are kind of promoting that they have a lot of jobs, and I think one of them's hitting coach, so you can come back to Houston. Uh, but none of the games matched me. They were they all wanted a college degree or they were part-time, and so can't start my career with the Astros just yet. Yeah, it's a little... Um... Yeah, it's baseball's in a strange place. There's, you know, a lot of new people in it trying to figure out, you know, new things and new ways to do things. And, um, you know, that's that's their prerogative. Um, they're the ones in charge. Uh, 
I'm not sure, you know, I enjoy where baseball is going. Uh, and I'm not saying that as an old crusty old veteran. <laughs> um, I'm really not. I'm more looking at trying to look at it objectively and, and trying to, you know, to see what the game's become. And, and I'm not sure I, I like where it's going. Well, that was my next question. So good job on uh, foreshadowing or knowing what that was. So you grew up in Santa Monica, California, and you were drafted out of high school by the Red Sox in the fourth round, which is pretty good for that uh, coming out of high school. But you chose to to go to UCLA for a couple of years, and then you got drafted ninth overall by the Royals. What made you choose college ball over uh, signing with the Red Sox? Um, truthfully, I grew up wanting to go to UCLA. My dad played basketball at UCLA for John Wooden. I, you know, grew up not too far from the campus, at least the first 10 years of my life. And then, you know, I wanted to be a Bruin. And I, I don't know if that was just a goal that I, or something I had to check off my bucket list before I did something else. Um, and so that's why I did it. I, I think, you know, I, the Red Sox, Oh, gosh, I remember Joe Stevenson, the scout, was just a legendary scout. He came in, and and it was really hard to kind of, you know, to not take – at that time, the, the money wasn't the issue. It was more just the opportunity, to take that opportunity to, you know, to see what I could do. Uh, because I always had the – I thought I had the ability to play at a higher level, but I, I didn't really know that then. And I think I was like, you know, I'll try college for a couple of years to see what college is like. And then – my college career was was pretty short uh, due to a lot of reasons, um, but uh, main reason I left college so kind of you know somewhat earlier is you know I, I was at the point where listen if I'm going to do this baseball thing you know let's see what I can do and I kind of I was really tired of balancing you know trying to do something else and then you know trying to put all my time in this you know, trying to be a professional athlete, which is takes so much of your time. And I go, oh, we'll, we'll give it a couple of years and see what happens. And then, uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, I turned out to be pretty good. So it uh, went pretty quick after that. And, you know, not too many few years after that, I was in the major league. So it was, uh, you know, something that just kind of just rolled in. And then I've been doing it ever since until, of course, uh, you know, last year when I uh, kind of, uh, I guess you can say forced retirement. I grew up in Oklahoma as a big OU fan, and I I, I kind of feel you on that. Uh, I think if I would have had the opportunity to play any kind of sports there, I probably would have took it. Um, so anyway, these days, somebody who gets drafted ninth overall gets a pretty nice signing bonus. How life-changing were the signing bonuses back in 86? Uh, not very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you, you had spending money, which I, I could say was, uh, you know, more than most guys, you know, making $700 a month. Um, you know, uh, of course, baseball is trying to rectify that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I, I still don't get, you know, why people are crying about the minor leagues and how much money and why we had to do the retraction and all that stuff. I, I don't get that when we're given $300 million contracts. You know, I, I've seen the budgets in the minor leagues. I've helped do them. So I, I understand there's there's more money there. So uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah it was, it was really never about the money. It was more about the opportunity. Um, you know, until you get to the major leagues, and then you know 
I think my first year in the major leagues, I made $109,000 or part of $109,000 <laughs> and, uh, uh, which I thought I was rich. So, you know, it's, it's all uh, relative. Um, you know, I don't fault the players and everything for what they're making, uh, what the market's given them. It's, it's, uh, uh, maybe I wish I was still playing. Tell us about the day that you were called up because you're were, you were in Kansas City, you know, minor leagues for a couple of seasons. 1990, you get your chance. Yeah, I was um, on a really good team. Uh, we were in Memphis, which was double A at the time for the Astros. And um, we were playing the, the Minnesota Twins, which was the Orlando uh, team at the time in the Southern League. That, that, that's another story, that bus ride from Memphis to Orlando. But um uh yeah and uh, we were actually in the playoffs and so there was already rumors you know you can kind of even even back then without all the social media and everything now there was rumors that uh <clears throat> possibly getting called up i had a really good year and but we're in the playoffs and we're getting rained out games and left and right and you know it's a best of five series and so uh the coolest part is my manager at the time kind of a legendary baseball person jeff cox was was our manager and uh uh, which I did not know that he had told my dad first. My dad knew before my dad was at the game. And so uh, I had hit a two-run home run to put us up that game. And then I actually got the double play ball hit to me to, to end the game. And so, of course, you know, you, you win you win the championship. You know, you, everybody's on the field and whatever. It was crazy. And then my dad um, came up to me and got to tell me, he goes, hey, um, congratulations, but here's here's some better news uh you're going to the major leagues i'm like what he goes yeah your manager told me to tell you so so my dad got to tell me so that's pretty cool you know on yeah. on the field um you know with uh you know just people going crazy and and stuff like that and so yeah it was uh it was pretty cool and then myself and jeff conine and brian mccray who was on that team in the beginning was already there and um I think that was just us three that went up at that time. I can't remember. If there, I hope, I'm sorry if I'm leaving somebody out, but I thought there was at least one more. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a pretty cool feeling. Did you get to start your first game, or did you just get called up? Got called up. Uh, I see. I do remember getting called up and, you know, and going into Can in the stadium there in, in Kansas City and then, you know, getting our stuff. You know, we were kind of late. The game had already uh, started um, and uh, got our uniforms on and got down there. And as soon as I walked down, Bo Jackson hit one about 900 feet. It was the home run that he hit up by the, the, the old snack stands and, and down the left field line. And uh, I had I'd known Bo because we had played together before in the Instructional League and some other things. So was, I know he had been doing well and getting his uh, – uh, his baseball skills up to par, I guess you can say, uh, with his athleticism, which, of course, we know is, is legendary. Um, yeah, and so that was my – didn't get to play that first day. And I think I I had one start – I think it was my second start in, in Minnesota. That was where I got my first hit. So that was kind of cool off uh, Scotty Erickson, a good friend, and who I still see from time to time here in California. So, yeah. So before the 93 season, they traded you to the Expos. Do you feel like you were given a chance to succeed in Kansas City, or you think they gave up on you too quick? Well, I mean, the, they gave up on a lot of us, and it was that was the thing to do. 
they were trying to win now. And so they tried to, you know, get some pieces, you know, they made the big trade and traded Saber Hagen and Billy Pakota for Greg Jeffries and, Oh, McReynolds, some, a few other people. I can't remember who else, a uh, big trade. Uh, and then, you know, then Jeff Conine and myself were like the number one and two prospects uh, for the organization. And then I got traded to Montreal and Jeff got left unprotected in the draft and he went to the Marlins, which, you know, the rest is history there for Jeff, my good friend, God bless him. Got two rings on, which I'm still jealous. Uh, I admit <laughs> it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, they were, it was just, we were the, you know, the pieces to try to get them to try to win. You know, it was, it was nothing, you know, personal. I, I do, you know, the Royals back before then were always known for bringing up their young guys and letting them play. And then at that time they, um, you know, whatever, whatever spot your, your organization's in, if you need to win now and, you know, the, everybody's, you know, from GM to manager, the top management is trying to, you know, to do something positive because they know their jobs on the line. So I don't really fault them for, for giving, not really giving up on us, but uh, trying to get some pieces to their puzzle. What'd you think about being sent to Montreal and having to play up there in Canada? Well, the first thing is I, I, I was like, uh, they told me I had been traded, but there was, because it was during the trade, I mean, during the, um, I had to clear waivers or whatever. So I had to keep, they had to keep it pretty hush hush. So they wouldn't tell me where <laughs> they said, just be ready. And I'm like, all right. And then the, the, they just said, I'm going to a contender, a team that's contending in the playoffs right now. So I was excited about that. And, um, and then when, you know, I, I'm looking at, you know, I think is, you know, who is up there? I'm like, Philadelphia could be. And, and Montreal didn't really cross my mind, but then I, you know, I go, well, it could be Montreal. And then sure enough, that's where it was, Montreal. And then, you know, when you first get there, it's a little bit of culture shock because it's, you know, it's a very, you know, European-esque, if you will, um, area of the country. And, uh, but, you know, I was there with a lot of people that I knew, uh, guys who I played with in winter ball and, and then Felipe Alou, the great, you know, Felipe Alou, who I played against from a ball when he was managing down in West Palm beach to, you know, in, in winter ball, which really helped me. Um, and so I was excited to be there and then they were really, it was a really good team and you know, had some great players on it. And, uh, I kind of just slid right in there and it was, it was r- really when I became a big leaguer before then, I really, I was just kind of, you know, trying to figure it out truthfully. Um, but when I got there is when, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know, something about being there with, with those guys that just really helped me uh, become uh, the player that I turned out to be. So earlier this morning, before we came on, I saw a clip of you starting a triple play versus the Marlins. H- how hard was that ball coming at you? That was amazing. You know, I don't third base. I, I, I look back on it um, and I see third baseman now. And, and then I, I try to explain to him, you know, first of all, how, hard the turf is that we used to play on in the Astrodome and Montreal and all these other places. But uh, playing third was, was a, definitely a faster, uh, faster game than it is now. But uh, yeah, it came pretty quick, but you know, it's all, I, I guess you kind of get used to it after a while. I, I don't ever remember um, being affected by the velocity off the bat or, you know, I never, uh, I mean, I, I've had some balls, you know, really from left hand. I remember Tony Gwynn hit me some balls that 
you know, kind of come right out of the hitter's body that I didn't see until it was by me, I think. <laughs> I like, wait, was that at me? So, yeah, that one was, uh, you know, it was pretty good. And I, I think, I can't remember who hit it, but, um, yeah, I can't remember if it was who it was. But uh, I do remember just diving to my left to snag it. And then, you know, they were they were running. So it was pretty much what I should have done, which, you know, you know, stupid me, you look hindsight, right? I should have just, I took the ball and walked the second, walked the first and been an unassisted triple play, which there's only a few of those ever done before. But, you know, I wasn't really thinking that. I was just getting, trying to get the out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that didn't cross your mind. So you did, you did very good over there in Montreal. And then in 96, you get traded to the Astros. Were you disappointed about getting traded? Were you excited to go to the Astros? You know, at first, I was super excited. Um, uh, you know, been playing against them for years, and you know, I, I knew the players, and uh, you know, there of course were you know always battling for first place at, at that time. So um, yeah, I was excited. I was, um, uh, you know, I was, was kind of just coming into my own, and you know, and, and uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, I was probably looking back on it now. Um, the years in Montreal were some of my best, and probably the most fun I ever had playing. Um, and, but with the Astros being right there too, it's always hard for me to, to people ask me, you know, where is your favorite place to play? And, and it's the Astros in Montreal or those, those two places were my, were my favorite places to play. And I didn't realize how good Montreal was until really after I left and how, uh, really a, a good job at that time they were doing, um, you know, with trying to, to win games. And, and, you know, like I said, with the, you know, the, the manager of Felipe Alou and, and, uh, really the organization, they really took care of our families really well. So it was, it was good times. I really, there's never really too many bad times when you're a major league player, wherever city you're playing in, truthfully. So being in Montreal and playing in the national league, I'm sure you played plenty of games in the Astrodome. How, how did you feel knowing that you were going to play half of your games in the Astrodome? Well, I, I really didn't you know, have a feeling of it either way at the time until I started hitting balls to left center and they kept hitting the top of the wall and they weren't going out. And I was like, man, I, I knew, I knew uh, in uh, Montreal, it was hard to hit one out, but it was tough. I, I, I mean, that first month, I think I might've hit 10 doubles off the top of the wall. And I just, like, yeah, I, you know, I got to do some more pushups or something, but uh, yeah, it was, um, it was fun. It was, uh, you know, a good time in baseball, especially in Houston. Um, um, just, you know, and I have said that I spent, you know, more years with the Astros organization as a player and coach than any of my teams. So really, you know, the Astros are really um, uh, my other home in baseball, if you will, even though I haven't been there in a while. Your first year with the Astros in 96, I think you had one of your best seasons. You know, as a professional, 132 games, 121 hits, 17 homers, 95 RBIs. And you became sort of an icon, you know, for a lot of Astro fans being an original member of the Killer Bees. Uh, what do you what do you feel made you have such a good season? I'm just, sorry, I couldn't word that well, but. What do you think contributed to your success that year? Well, first of all, we were in the, uh, you know, the playoff hunt. So that had a little bit to do with it. And I, I really 
do believe, you know, my teammates there was, you know, you have, you know, my two Hall of Fame teammates are pretty good, Bagelow and Biggio and good friends. And, um, you know, it was, you know, just being around them and watching how they kind of went about their business, uh, I kind of fit right in, you know, I, I always ran hard to first, you know, I always tried to hustle, did get everything I had. Uh, I, I guess the most impressive thing I was, people don't realize about those two Hall of Famers is how they played so hard and were able to stay, for the most part, injury-free. Um, you know, they I played as, as hard as I could and that things would just fall off me for some reason, you know almost like a lose a wheel or something, but, uh, yeah. So I, I really think it had, that had a little bit to do with it. Um, you know, at the time that first year, Terry Collins was our manager and, and, uh, you know, he, I thought was a really good manager. Um, and, uh, I guess maybe the Astros thought we underachieved a little bit that year. So that's why they got rid of him. But, uh, come to find out I'd be on the other end of that, uh, uh, that a few years down the road too. So, uh, you know, it's just <laughs> one of those things that happens, but, uh, yeah, it was just just a good group of you know young players right in their prime. I really thought, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And you know, the crowds in Houston, of course, in that big dome, can get kind of crazy. It was it was a really good time to be in Houston, and I really started to you know fall in love with uh, the city and the people and the neighborhood where I lived, and and it was just yeah, it, it, you know, being from California, you know, with mountains and oceans and all these, this, you know, this kind of scenic beauty, if you will. I really, people always ask me, where else would you live? I, I can see myself living in Houston easy. I, I really enjoyed it there. My wife enjoyed it there being a California girl too. And yeah, it was just, uh, it was home. So uh, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun. I, I think I was, I got to the point where I go, this is where I want to stay. You know, that was the one thing that people don't, when I came up through Kansas city, they had this guy named George Brett that was playing for us. And he came from kind of the neighbor areas that I came from in Southern California. And he'd been with this one team his whole life. And that was kind of one of my goals. Well, now I'm already on my third team. So I'm still trying to do that. <laughs> but, uh, so I was like, gosh, I really like to make this home and I'd like to be here the rest of my career. And, you know, unfortunately in baseball, it doesn't always work out that way. So in 97, they, they hire Larry Durker. You won the NL Central. Was that your first division title, or did y'all win one with the Expos? Nope, that was the first one. First time we got to, you know, pop the corks, which, um, you know, any professional athlete will tell you. I mean, it's all about, you know, winning those championships and being in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I know it's a little cliche-ish, but uh, it really is. And that was, you know, we got – we fell short the year before. And so we were pretty hungry. And then of course in 97, we we're pretty much the same team added a few little things and uh, yeah, it worked out to be, that's a lot of fun. And I, I, I've, I've been fortunate to do it a few times as a player and a coach and it's, there's just nothing better. Um, you know, like I said, the only thing I don't have is any world series ring, which I'm, I'm still, as you can tell a little bitter about, but uh uh, you know, this is one of those things. There's a lot of really good players or people have been around the organization who never got one either. So it's just, um, uh, it's just one of those things that, gosh, I wish I, you know, wish I would have had one. In 1998, the Astros were so good. You guys win 102 and 60. You win the central division for the second year in a row. And they make this blockbuster trade for Randy Johnson who comes in, and, and 
I didn't even look this up, but from my memory, I think he went like 11 and 0. Like he was just so dominant. Did you guys feel that that was your year? I remember um, sitting in the hotel, uh, Craig and I. Um, it was in the evening after our game, the night before, we were playing in Pittsburgh. And the trading deadline at that time was at midnight. And so, you know, we had just got to the hotel from after the game, you know, 11 something. I think we might have been having a, a cold beverage or something, just relaxing at the hotel bar. And um, 12 o'clock came and we go. And I, I remember this and gosh, you know, I guess we didn't make any moves or anything, you know. And, and uh, you know, even at, I would thought too at that time you know i could be one of the guys who getting traded away so i was waiting for the phone call for myself too you know, who knows you know you just never known those situations so and uh i didn't know till the next morning i was getting the cab and the cabbie said uh wow what a big trade you guys made and i'm like huh <laughs> so uh we didn't find out till the next morning and 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 then i i think you know of course we were you know we had already pretty much known we were going to win this division um uh go to the playoffs but you know now we had really you know an extra horse to go along with our other really good pitchers that uh that really gave us the opportunity uh to have a shot at this um and uh you know just just didn't work out i i still kicked myself and made a big error in one game that randy was pitching but um it still bothers me a little bit but that was not the reason we lost the whole thing but it still bugs me as you can tell but uh, yeah. yeah that was um that was, you know, an opportunity to really uh, to win, at least in that kind of era, before we got back to the World Series later in uh, 2005. When you left the Astros after 98, was your contract up or did they trade you? Contract was up. I was a free agent. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. And you, of course, you wanted to stay there. Yeah, I did. It was uh, there. It was we were working on it. You know, I was still, you know, I was back pretty much back from my, my little serious injury I had in 96. And, and so I was kind of feeling stronger and stronger and stronger. So that was home for me. So I really didn't want to leave. But uh, uh, the writing was on the wall. It just, you know, you kind of tell when, uh, when Cam and Eddie turned down the deal to go to Detroit and uh, come there, I said, well, you know, I got to go someplace else. So that's kind of how it worked out. You returned to Houston after your playing career as a hitting coach in 2006, and that was a year after they went to the World Series and got swept. So you, you're you one year away from going to the World Series there as a coach. But I, I talked to you before we started recording that we had some things in common. And here's another thing that we have in common is sometime during that span when you're a coach, you had – a cancerous tumor removed from your kidney and you were back to work in three weeks. How were you able to make it back in three weeks? Because I think when I was 40, I had thyroid cancer and it took me four months to get back to work. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, really, you know, if you're going to get, if you're going to get sick, probably the place you want to get sick at is in Houston, especially if you have some cancer going on or such a, you know, great, 
medical services there and you know from md anderson to methodist where i had my surgery and and uh you know dr goldfarb who was my surgeon who's still there um yeah it's uh my sister is a doctor and uh uh, when i I guess i get maybe i don't know if your your listeners want to listen to the whole story but uh you know, it's it's kind of it's a weird one because baseball. When I tell people baseball saved my life, they're like thinking like, oh, you know, you, you it's because of your career, your long career. And I go, no, it really did because we were in Atlanta and we're doing early batting practice, and I can't remember who we had out there. I think it was Carlos Lee, maybe Hunter, um, a few guys just doing it. It was a beautiful day in uh, in May in Atlanta, and Dave Clark, our third base coach it's always once always asked to hit you know and you know back then i was the only hitting coach we didn't have two and a whole staff to help you as a hitting year on your own so i had a lot of things going on so a lot of times i say no for some reason that day i said yes we'll let the coaches hit and uh and then for some reason i got in there and, and swung the bat a little bit maybe just because it's such a beautiful day in atlanta and uh we brought in uh so we brought our got a VP guy throwing, and we were hitting balls in the stands and kind of laughing how we're going to be sore that next night. And, and um, so during the game that night, I went up to use the restroom, and I noticed I had a lot of the blood in my urine, and not just a little. I'm talking a lot. Mm. And so right during the game, I call my sister. I go, you know, Shannon, what the heck's going on? She starts asking me, do you have any back pain? And I go, no, I feel great. She goes, okay, well, I told the trainers, and the doc came and checked me out, and asked me all the same questions, but I went back and just finished the game coaching. And then the next day I I remember um, throwing to Hunter before the game. And all of a sudden that, that question about the back pain started, started showing up (laughs) and it, it really showed up. And before you know it, I was kind of, you know, could barely walk and bent over and something was going on. So they thought I had kidney stones and uh, so they drugged me up. We were still on the road for a few more days before we went back to Houston. So I had to, I had a, had a coach on some pretty good pain medicine for about three or four days and then uh, got back to Houston and had the uh, CT scan. And, and I remember Dr. Goldfarb telling me that um, he goes, well, the good news is you don't have kidney stones. Your kidneys are clean the stones, but you see this little area right here and I can kind of see it. And he goes, that's a tumor and that's cancer. And I went, what? How do you know that? You know, from a picture? <laughs> and he, he pretty much as confidently as possible. And really, probably it's what made him such a great surgeon and, and, and great at what he does. He looked at, you know, he goes, this is what I do. And uh, that's, you know, and he picked up the phone. He, he made a phone call. And I think he called the radiologist down there. And he goes, you see the same thing? He goes, yep. Okay. And I said, and he was really kind of matter of fact about it. He goes, well, I go, what do we do now? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> He goes, I think I just go get it. We'll take it out. Not a big deal. I think we got it early. So I'm like, okay, uh, what do we do next? You know, it's like, um, and so that kind of became kind of my mantra during that whole time when I was sick was, you know, you just tell me what I do and then I'll do it. So um, he goes, well, uh, I think it was a Monday. I go, well, I got to call my family. He goes, yeah, I think we'll schedule for surgery on Wednesday. And we'll get it taken care of. And then he started explaining to me in the surgery, you know, how much of my kidney is going to take. He was probably have to take the whole thing. I just don't know yet until I get in there, you know, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And so, you know, had that great conversation that everybody dreads when you have to call your wife. And, 
and tell her that you, you know, have cancer or whatever, that I'm going to be okay. And they're always like, yeah, everybody says that. But, um, uh, and then I had to tell my kids and then, you know, then the Astros to this day, I still, um, you know, uh, really, really fortunate to be with, with, with such a great organization for so long that they took care of, you know, my family and they, they you know, they, they flew them out and, um, and, uh, it was just, uh, before you know it, I was, you know, in, in the Methodist and getting the cut open and take my kidney out and no big deal. And I remember Goldfarb said, he goes, ah, you didn't even bleed, you know, because <laughs> I, I was such, that was my, my best surgeries ever. You didn't even bleed. And I remember, for some reason, I remember him saying that. And, uh, yeah, I spent four days, I think in the hospital. And then they flew me home for three, about two and a half weeks. And I came back, it was, you know, just wait for the stitches to heal. And, uh, you know, I was pretty fortunate you know, I didn't, most people have to go through, uh, chemo or whatever. And I didn't have to go through any of that. They, you know, like I said, Dr. Goldfarb did a good job cutting up that, that thing. And, uh, if I didn't find it when I did, then it metastasizes. And then, uh, yeah, we're probably not having this conversation right now. Whenever the doctor told me, people kind of freak out about this, but you know, you, you, for me, you go through the testing. Oh, it's probably just this. It's probably just the okay. Well, it is this, but you know, they they he, they were so optimistic, and then he just calls me. Well, I got some bad news and some good news. The bad news is you do have cancer, but the good news is if you do have cancer, this is the kind of cancer you want to have. And uh, and and during the time, you know, my mom's like, as soon as you find out, promise me, promise me, you'll tell me. And I found out on her birthday. And so I was so torn. Like, I promised her sure. that I would tell her, but it's her birthday. And I, I told her because I, I made a promise to her. And I'm like you. I didn't have to have chemo, but I did have to have radiation. But, you know, it was just a surgery. They go in, they, they remove all the cancer, remove the thyroid, uh, thyroid gland. And now I have to take medicine every day to stay alive. But I'm still here, just yeah, like you. you. So. So, yeah, pretty fortunate. Pretty fortunate. Both of us are, you know, and you, you somewhat feel guilty. I remember seeing Gary Carter, my, you know, ex Hall of Fame teammate, and when he was getting sick, and then when he got healthy, and then when he got sick again, and and seeing some other people in baseball who got sick, and I always felt so guilty to the point where I almost couldn't didn't know what to say to them when I saw them because I had it, and mine was easy, and they had it, and theirs theirs was fatal. So yeah. sad. You know, even even though the doctors was pretty nonchalant about telling us, you know, you know, it's not the most horrible kind of cancer you can have. I mean, when I hung up the phone, I was like, wow, like I have cancer. Like, it's still scary. Yeah, it's not the, not the <laughs> thing you really want to hear on an everyday basis, but uh, maybe that's why they're they say it so often. And they probably do see a lot of, you know, good results. And um, yeah. and. You know, and truthfully, that's how Dr. Goldfarb was. I, I think I, I was never nervous. I was more nervous at all the checkups afterwards, you know, because they kept saying, you know, we got to keep looking, you know, every few months and every six months and every year for until you're 10 years out, you know. And now I'm over 10 years out and I've been clean ever since. So, yeah, you just, uh, yeah, when you're going into those CT scans and other things, it's just, uh, yeah, you're like, you know, you feel great. But I felt great yeah. before too. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it, it's a tough way to go. Tough way. 
I'm super claustrophobic and I hate getting in those things. And <laughs> at, at the beginning, it was like every three months and then it was every six months. And I, I still have to go to the doctor every six months, you know, to get my blood checked so they can, you know, update or like change my medicine towards, you know, whatever levels of thyroid I have. But let's get back to baseball. Sure. Who are, who, 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 let's close this out. I got three more questions for you. Who were some of your favorite teammates? Oh, gosh. Um, a lot of them. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm still uh, really good friends and with Jeff Facero, uh, great pitcher, and uh, I see him still occasionally when I go to Arizona for work. And um, uh, so, you know, we were like roommates when you used to have to have roommates, and then, you know, our kids kind of grew up together and and I kind of had this group of him and Mike Hampton and, 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 uh, and John Hudak. And, and that was kind of our group every off season. We go on trips together and Disney cruises with the kids and, uh, uh, you know, just a lot of fun. And and of course, but you know, with Craig and Jeff, me and teammates, uh, you know, on the field and off the field, just such good friends and, and, you know, and really just, uh, uh, you know, people that you really kind of, you know, were fortunate enough to, you know, call them your friend, but really fortunate to call them your teammates. And then, you know, even back to the, you know, the Montreal days with, you know, Larry Walker and Marquise Grissom. Marquise and I played a couple of times together and I just love those guys to death. And uh, and I know I'm forgetting guys and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if they hear this, but, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm getting older, you know, I start forgetting stuff. But, uh, you know, playing with George Brett, you know you know, kind of one of my idols and, and Tim Wallach just for a short p- period of time when I was in Montreal and, you know, taking over for him, which was crazy. I got to take over a little bit for George and a little bit for Tim Wallach too. I mean, legendary third baseman in, in my book for sure. Yeah. And in most people's books, but um, yeah, gosh, the, all the players really, I mean, I yeah. got to play with, you know, playing with Randy Johnson, playing, you know, with, uh, Brad Osmus, you know, you know, I still look back and, you know, my career when you're going through it, sometimes you really don't realize, you know, in, especially in Brad's you know, case, how, you know, be able to catch as many games and be as tough as he is physically and mentally. And, um, uh, you know, I still remember, I remember a game, um, and it's still, it's, it's a story I tell all the time where we're playing in, uh, in Brad's catch and it's when I'm coaching and, Brad had, we had played like 19 innings or something that night. And the next day was Roger was thrown and Brad always catches Roger at that time. And I remember, uh, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, gosh, darn, I can't, I can't think who's, who said it to him at first. Oh, oh yeah, I know. Phil Garner, Phil Garner was walking out and he walked right up to Brad cause he was going to ask him if he's okay to go tomorrow. And all Brad, Brad said to him was don't even ask and walk right by him. You know, so, I mean, it's just, you know, stuff like that. I mean, really impressed with those kind of athletes and, you know, guys who, um, you know, were, were tougher mentally and physically uh, than most, uh, uh, definitely than me. And uh, yeah, so it was all my teammates, gosh, they were just, I got to play with so many, I think Jeff Becerra and we were having a a drink a few months ago and we were trying to figure out how many Hall of Famers we played with and, I think I had nine and he had like eight or something like that. And I go, I got to coach a few more. Does that count? He goes, no, it didn't count. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, get, you know, play, playing with Pedro and, 
Um, you know, I, I still get a kick out. I was driving by him in spring training one time and he stopped his golf cart when we're over in Boston playing on one of the backfields when I was coaching with Baltimore and he goes, Sean Barry, what are you doing? And I was, you know, I was like, uh, you know, just right after he got inducted and I said, you know, congratulations. And so uh, it was really, it, it's nice to be kind of remembered by those guys. Sometimes you think they would forget you, but they, they still remember you. And yeah, um, you know, playing, you know, being with Moise Salou, coach, uh, playing with him in two different teams, um, you know, on and on and on. There's been just so many great players and then great managers and, you know, being able to coach and uh, play for and coach with Phil Garner, um, playing for, you know, the legendary Felipe Alou. Um, yeah, there's, you know, all my managers, even Larry Durker, all of them, really, um, you know, gosh, they've, they really were special people. And uh, I, I think that's what people don't really realize is, is sometimes, you know, at the major, major league level, you you get to be around some really interesting people. And that's probably the best part. Is there anything you would change uh, about your career, like any kind of choice you might have made that you would go back and make a different one? I don't think so. Um, you know, I almost thought I worked hard. I just could, I had trouble keeping my body together, especially at the end. Um, uh, so I, I don't know, you know, if I could have done something better. I wish I could have uh, been physically in better, not so much shape or condition, just be able to handle the, you know, like I said, to be able to handle the everyday um um, battle that it is to be able to play, you know, I, I can never really play more than a hundred and some games a year. This is mm -hmm. unfortunate. And I wish I could have done better, better job of that. And I, you know, I, I try to counsel the parents and kids who I, I do with my new job about, you know, making sure you, you know, it's, it's your baseball skills are important, but you, know, you got to make your body bulletproof because this, this game is, you know, it's not football. Don't give me, you know, it's definitely not as physical, you know, in that kind of, you know, stage, but it's, it's a grind and it really beats on you to be able to stay at a high level. So I wish I could have uh, maybe done that a little bit better. Well, Sean, that's all I have for you, sir. I said I had three, but I'm just going to go with those last two, but it was a, a, a huge honor to speak with you and you're, you're such a down to earth, nice person. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I appreciate it. I always enjoy talking about <laughs> especially about my old days in Houston. Um, uh, I do miss them. And uh, yeah, if they probably call me to be the hitting coach right now, I'd probably say yes, but uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I think, uh, yeah, I'm not sure which way they're going right now. And I may not be that guy. So uh, yeah, there's plenty they of openings. Somebody knows, yeah. They want somebody who knows what they're doing. I'm that guy. So we'll see. Yeah. You could get stadium tours. Yeah, I definitely could. I want, so the you only speaker, I want the speaker in left center in the Astrodome. If they ever clean that place, probably taking it down. I hit that speaker in left center one time for a double. And <laughs> I still, yeah, you got to look at that video. I crushed that ball and uh, hit the speaker and it was in fair. If they caught it, I would have been out. I didn't even know that rule. So, yeah, craziness. Huh. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. But, uh, back in the good old days. But I do appreciate it. And thanks. And it's, uh, for all the people in Houston, I do miss you guys. All right, guys, for Sean Barry, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when there's a new episode. 
Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.